Hi folks, I'm Alan Watt and this is Cutting Through the Matrix on the 13th of October 2010. Now newcomers look into cuttingthroughthematrix.com website and you'll find hundreds of audios for download where I've put up over the years where I try to give you shortcuts to understanding the big picture and the rest is up to you. Don't take my word for it. Everyone's got to make up their own mind what's really going on. I try and give you a lot of information from the big boys themselves who love to publish stuff over the years, especially in their autobiographies and um, and their, their, their main magazines, their favorite magazines and so on, because they do tell you where the world is going, and they've been telling us that your whole life. It's just that the major main, mainstream papers don't really pick up on it much. They don't advertise these publications or those books, and, and of course, the media is really there to keep you in the dark. So help yourself to those uh, various talks I've given. And remember, too, all the sites you listed there have the same audios for download. If you find it sticking on one, try another. When too many folk go into the comm site at the same time, that sometimes happens. So you can try the alternate sites. They all have translations of a lot of the talks, too, for prints up in, in the various languages of Europe on alanwattsentinel.eu. And the rest of them carry them all in English. So... You can take your pick. There's a whole variety to choose from. And remember, too, you're the listener who brings me to you, and you have to keep me going by either donating or purchasing the books and discs I have for sale. Uh, I don't take on advertisers. I could be very lucrative if I did, but then it kind of compromises you as well because you have to bring them on really as guests. Then they pay very well to do so. But um, as I say, then you have to kind of promote the products, even if you haven't tested them or you're, you're not sure about them or whatever. So it's up to you to keep me going, and you can buy the books by going to cuttingthroughthematrix.com. You'll see the order page there. There's links for them and the cost of them. From the U.S. to Canada, remember, you can use a personal check uh, or an international postal money order from your post office. Uh, you can use PayPal to order or donate. If you want to use PayPal to purchase, just send a separate email after the PayPal donation with your name, address, and order, and I'll get it out to you. And across the rest of the world, same idea with the addition of Western Union. Uh, some people send cash, and some people find MoneyGram is cheaper too than Western Union. Uh, check around, don't give them the highest fees. And um, PayPal again to donate or to order, and I'll get it out to you as fast as I can. And what it really is about this show is just dissecting uh, life as we go through it, as it's given to us, really, because, you see, our reality is always updated by the media who give handouts. And that's what they are. They're handouts, most of the stories you read in mainstream press. Uh, and we part them off, and that becomes our new reality, because experts tell us new things all the time, and we're supposed to follow suit, you see. Most people do it without much prompting at all. They love to wear the latest fashions, uh, use the latest terminology that's dished out to them, and um, and talk about the, the topics they're meant to talk about. Uh, it's odd that because just today I went into a garage and the man asked me if I'd watch television 
uh, and some some big disaster in mining in Chile, I think it was, or Peru. And I hadn't heard anything about it because I don't watch television. And he told me all about it, and I came out of there. I think that's his topic for today. And it reminded me of George Orwell's 1984, where one of the characters comes up to Winston and says, did you hear the latest news, brother, how East Asia is losing? And we won a tremendous battle. And he says, that's good news, brother. We're given the topics. And the topics nowadays are so so out of our nature, our, our whole environment. They're, they're in other countries because, you see, that you're getting trained whether you know it or not to think global and be global. And that's where you're getting so much news on all these foreign countries. Back with more after these messages. I'm back and we're cutting through the matrix. And the matrix, as I say, is a system into which you're born. And it's kind of like a, a lot of Plato's, Plato's caves all joined together. Some people never get out of the first cave and find there's one next to it. And you take your reality generally as you find it. You're born into it. Your parents don't know to warn you about anything. Um, in fact, they really don't today warn you about anything. They do expect uh, the system itself, the, the schooling system, to give you everything, including the, the new morality, and expect the media and everything that's churned out for children to, to take over from what parents used to do, is sit and talk to their children. That's a kind of thing of the past now. And and um, everything's changed so so fast and rapidly since the but 1960s onwards into this brave new world that many people at the top uh, of the financial tree and the scientific tree working together had, had formed, formed a new world order that would come into view, as George Bush Sr. said. Much of it had already been accomplished by the time he actually said it. And that's why they were so confident, because they knew the kind of society they wanted to bring in. They'd been working on it for over a 100 years. And H.G. Wells pretty well talks about it in his one of his books, too, on his utopia. He called it a modern utopia. It's worthwhile looking through if you can find a copy. But... This was back such a long ways, and people get mixed up with left wing and right wing and all of that kind of stuff, um, and fascism and communism. All the isms are all the same, really. Uh, it's one agenda, and Nazism simply was a variation of communism for a nationalistic society, uh, national socialism as opposed to international socialism. And socialism itself is the key because you have to go into the early foundations of um, the various societies like the Fabian Society, read their literature and read the literature especially of George Bernard Shaw, who is one of the co-founders, along with H.G. Wells and others, uh, and, of course, the big backing they got from the Astor family to get it kicked off. And they were really one big arm pushing that side of things for what, what became not known as the Royal Institute of International Affairs, Dash Council on Foreign Relations, they all have different departments where they specialize. And they've envisaged a world really where the elite, those intelligentsia who had the right to rule over the rest of the public and had proven it by acquiring great wealth over a time period, generations, and had kept the money, didn't squander it away by, by bad genes and their offsprings, as they would say, 
who had squandered the cash. Uh, they'd kept it in their families for generations, proving that by special selective breeding, uh, they could basically produce the kind of offspring they wanted. And they were into this for centuries before that, these same families. Just look at the history of the Darwin family. And uh, there's a book out there called um, uh, Darwin and the New World Order. And it's written by a scientist who who gives you the the family trees of uh, some of them, including Darwin, Charles Darwin himself, who are completely intermarried into one family, the Wedgwood family, for generations, Darwins and Wedgwoods. And they still have relatives alive today, the Wedgwoods and the Bens in, in England, who have always been in politics, the, like Tony Ben. I think his daughter is in it now, too. So same socialist agenda, international socialism, but where they, they obviously also were to eradicate any deity or what they called superstition, uh, they, they wanted to replace it with a, a form of secular humanism, but also uh, with science at the top. Science would become the new god, of course, and uh, all kinds of behavioral sciences, uh, psychological, psychology, psychiatry, and uh, along with the physics and chemistry, would all shape a new kind of human being. And Bernard Shaw uh, outlined it in some of his novels, because they all wrote novels too, mind you, and non-fiction as well. But they outlined it in their novels, like Man and Superman, which is also well worth a read. And these guys meant business, because they were funded and backed by the richest people on the planet, so they had no problems and been very confident about their agenda. Now, I've gone through Bernays before, the nephew of Freud, who claims he got his little ideas from flipping through Freud's books, which is utter rubbish because uh, what Bernays was doing was applied psychology and behaviorism, which uh, really Freud hadn't touched on at all. So they were all trained by, again, uh, an organization who put them out as front men and trained them very well, mind you. Definitely, Bernays was definitely well trained. And he knew and understood the, the psychology of the crowd and the mass man, what makes them tick, what makes them thrive, uh, what emotions to to stir, to come to purchase or behave in a certain fashion. And he gave America pretty well its culture of consumerism. He also was way up there. I mean, this, this man is a young man at 21 years of age, uh, obviously very high already, um, went over with Wilson to set up the League of Nations. Wilson brought him over personally. And again, using his techniques on the masses to bring in this world order, they hoped the League of Nations to end national sovereignty. But uh, to another world war to, to do that, as they predicted it probably would. And the descendants of Bernays as well, they're still working today. I've mentioned them over the last few weeks. In fact, some of them who are still working uh, advising the biggest marketer in, in, in Britain, really, who works with the politicians, is a, again a direct descendant from Bernays and Freud. So they're they're always at it. It's amazing how you can pass your genes on so so perfectly bred that you can make sure that a Rothschild's always a banker, and a Freud or a Bernays is always into mass manipulation of the masses. So anyway, they gave you all the junk food. These guys, these behaviorists, because Bernays. Uh, uh, knew how to con the people into drinking and to smoking, especially the women. And he targeted them and got them smoking for the first time and then into the bars after that. And um, and they knew how to manipulate everybody, every person 
male or female, regardless, too, of their age group. They could target any group and be very, very successful. So perfect was the knowledge of the human mind itself and the unconscious motivations that we harbor. You just have to know the triggers and you can get people to do anything you want. So they've been at it for a long time. They created the obesity rage uh, with their, their, their fast food industries and massive advertising. I couldn't believe it, in fact, when someone sent me uh, an old video of uh, children at summer camps. Summer camps for, and some of them are at McDonald's and other places, and, and they have them all tr- singing the, the logos, making sure that you have good customers in the future, guaranteed customers as they grow up, singing all these logos. What kind of parent would let that happen? A brainwashed parent, that's what. Brainwashed. But anyway, the same behavior is it brought you in the fast food and the obesity and all the rest of it, along, of course, with the big agribusinesses that was pushing all the chemicals uh, in the foods and so on. I've come out with another thing now. So now they're going the other way. We get the dialectic with them. And this article is from uh, the USDA, and it says here, the USDA funds research on improving child nutrition uh, programs through behavioral economics. So they're going to use behavioral techniques to alter the way that children eat now that they've made them all poisoned and obese, etc. Now, this says here, Washington, October the 12th, Agricultural Secretary Tom Vilsack today announced a series of research awards for behavioral economics research to improve nutrition and health outcomes associated with participation in USDA, child nutrition programs. The awards totaling $2 million establish a major new university-based research center, the Center for Behavioral Economics and Child Nutrition Programs at Cornell University, Ithaca, New York, and fund 14 other research projects in Connecticut, Iowa, Louisiana, Minnesota, Oklahoma, Pennsylvania, South Carolina, Texas, Utah, West Virginia, and Wisconsin. It says USDA's Food and Nutrition Service and Economic Research Service have partnered to undertake a bold initiative to help schools and child care facilities promote healthy eating for our children by conducting innovative, promising, and practical research, said Vilsack. Findings from this emerging field of research at behavioral economics could lead to significant improvements in the diets of millions of children across America. Well, good luck, because, see, the food's all been altered, too. As they, as they well know, these guys, the government knows it. They know it darn well. That uh, The food is soaked with pesticides. It's all throughout the cellular structure of the plants. And they've also modified the veggies as well. And so you've got all these weird kinds of genes that should not be in the food chain, uh, certainly not the human food chain, because we're not used to it. And it's an ongoing trial, as they say, to eat all this modified stuff and then observe the effects on the public. Apart from the cancers by the chemicals, they know exactly what it's doing, of course. So now they're going to go into another thing. But so when you read these articles, you've got to understand there's more behind it than what they tell you. What they're showing you is government coming into every area of life. Those in the real governments, the ones that tell the one that you elect what to do, have known for years what they're doing with the food industry. And eventually you'll have no private small businesses at all, either in food or farming or whatever. It's all to be big international corporations working in partnership with the United Nations Agricultural Department. And they will be in charge of the entire world's food supply. 
Now, remember the, the articles I read, I'll put up uh, on cuttingthroughthematrix.com at the end of the show. But it's quite fantastic, as I say, the, the way they're putting out a lot of stuff, negative stuff about food, uh, for the first time, without really coming back and saying, oh, no, we're countering that, it's not as bad as they say. Here's an article here in Mainstream. It says, GM maize has polluted rivers across the United States. Uh, an insecticide used in genetically modified crops grown extensively in the United States and other parts of the world has leached into the water and surrounding environment. The insecticide is the product of a bacterial gene inserted into GM maize and other cereal crops to protect them against insects such as a European corn borer beetle. Scientists have detected the insecticide in a significant number of streams, draining the great corn belt of American Midwest. So why are they telling all this now? Be back with more and tell you why after this break. We're back and we're cutting through the matrix, just talking about the dialectic and how they promote something for years and then they start to go the other way with it. And we're kind of punch drunk in the middle now because we say, oh, can I eat at all? Is there anything safe to eat, etc.? But they've got a reason for all this because eventually you'll find out that they're going to take all over all water supplies, all streams, all food itself will come under a global authority, as the UN was set up to do with the Department of, of Agriculture, to do just that, to distribute the food for the whole world to regions across the world. And also they said in their own writings they would keep the populations down. They wouldn't give you extra food if you had a thriving population that was growing. You would have to find ways yourself to deal with the problem. No kidding. Anyway, it says here, this insecticide is a product of a bacterial gene inserted into the maize and other crops, supposedly to, 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 to basically repel certain beetles and so on. The researchers have detected the bacterial protein in the plant detritus that was washed off the cornfields into streams up to 500 meters away. They're not yet able to determine how significant this is in terms of the risk of either to either humans' health or the wider environment, which is lies, because about two years ago, I mentioned about all the stuff they were using in India. You see, the Rothschilds took over enough thousands of farms in India uh, when they, they, they basically dropped the economy, um, upped all the loans, recalled all the farmers' uh, loans, and they went bankrupt. It was the largest uh, suicide rate at one point in its whole history as the farmers went under, and the Rothschilds and Evelyn Rothschild and her husband uh, stepped in and bought them up for peanuts. It's a trick they've done down through the centuries, these particular families. And then comes the GM food with it, and they'll end up owning the entire food supply of India. And they've already found that the water over there has been heavily contaminated miles and miles from the sources of spring. So they know all this stuff already, but I'll, go, I'll play along with this, this article here right now, as they're obviously ignorant of it. It says, our research asked the growing body of evidence that corn crop byproducts can be dispersed throughout a stream network and that the compound associated with genetically modified crops such as insecticidal proteins can enter nearby water bodies, said Emma Rosie Marshall of the Cary Institute of Ecosystem Studies in Millbrook, New York. GM crops are widely cultivated except in Britain and other parts of Europe. Actually, they are getting cultivated there now because the European Parliament overrode all the local parliaments 
and, uh, and said that farmers could, if they wish, go ahead and test them out. In 2009, more than 85% of American corn crops were genetically modified to either repel pests or to be tolerant to herbicides used to kill weeds in a cultivated field. The GM maize, or corn as it is called in the U.S., has a gene from the bacterium Bacillus thuringiensis, Bt, inserted into it to repel the corn borer beetle. The Bt gene produces a protein called Krell1ab, which has insecticidal properties. So not only are you getting the stuff that they spray on it, which is highly carcinogenic and it's soaked up into the plant, it's also producing its own insecticides as well. That's just wonderful. That's why we're dying off like crazy with cancers, which they know, of course, in the medical professions. The study published in the Journal of Proceedings of the National Academy of Science analyzed 217 streams in Indiana. They found 86% of the sites contained corn leaves, husks, stalks, or cereal cobs in their channels, and 13% contained detectable levels of the insecticidal Cryl-1AB proteins. So anyway, uh, they're getting us all hyped up to be worried and worried and worried. And you know what's going to happen. There'll be more government takeovers and intervention. And you'll find eventually only the big agri-food businesses will be allowed to run and afford all the different legalities and so on and, and permits and yada, 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 and inspections because the rest of the guys are getting put out of business. That's the, that is the agenda. I can remember Margaret Thatcher saying uh, when she was in power in Britain, or at least pretending to be as a front person, and she said that um, um, small businesses were really a problem. And she, she predicted that eventually only international corporations would run. And she certainly made it harder and harder for small business who spent half their day filling out paperwork for the government. That's no kidding. That's how bad it was. And most of them did go under. It's a technique, you see. Now, here's an, art, here, an article here, as well as they go after the last of the, the private farms. Family farm ordered to destroy $250,000 worth of cheese, yet uh, no illnesses have been reported in 30 years. It says, um, Morningland Dairy is the latest attempt by the FDA to fulfill the Healthy People 2020 objective. Now, if you look into that, the link is here. To kill raw dairy. Morning Land is owned by Joseph and Denise Dixon, who operate the cheese plant to make raw cheese from cows kept right on the property and managed by one of their eldest daughters. They have 12 children, four who still live at home, and they've been actively engaged in real food for decades. They were caught up in the rawsome raid dragnet, and many believe the questionable California Department of Food and Agriculture tests on their cheese are the legal justification for the multi-agency guns drawn uh, raid at Rossum. I've got the video for that too. I'll put the link up for all these art, uh, articles we read tonight at cuttingthroughmedics.com. And it's no kidding. Can you imagine SWAT team is going into a dairy with guns drawn? Really? Really? You know, who would have seen that years ago? Who would have foreseen that years ago? It would have been, it would have sounded absolutely absurd, but that's how bad it's become. And all these goons with their guns, they just love to pull out their guns. It's, They've been brought up watching movies and they want to wear that black uniform and become Darth Vader, you know. And now they get their gun and they're going after milk and cheese. That's the world we're living in, folks. Because it's a big agenda to eradicate the small guy. Back with more after this.
listening to the Republic Broadcasting Network. Because you can handle the truth. Hi, folks. I am Alan Watts, and we're cutting through the matrix. Just talking about all the raids that are going on to do with uh, natural food. Food that hasn't been tampered with, boiled out, boiling all the, the goodness out of it and pasteurizing it and all that kind of stuff, making cheese. Now, cheese traditionally was made this way, has been for centuries, and um, it tastes completely different from the processed rubbish you get with nothing in it. Even, even the flies don't want to eat it because there's nothing in it but keep them alive. And I'm not kidding about that. They're literally killing off all protein and so on from your food supply, and that's intentional. That is intentional. There's no doubt about it. Folk are getting sicker. They don't have the resistance to uh, things they used to have. They've got tremendous allergy problems all the time. And this is all accepted today as a new normal. Uh, same with the cancers. It's all new normals. And believe you me, it's the two, they know what they're doing at the top. And they're not eating, eating the stuff we eat. They'll be eating the raw cheese all right at the top. Guarantee you. So I'll put this link up here. And, uh, and uh, along with the video one, two of a raid, and how ridiculous. Guy is going in with these laser thermal guns, seeking guns and all the rest of it, drawn in a, in a darn dairy, for God's sake. It's disgusting. It's disgusting. But then again, that's the world we're living in now. And, and most folk, it's an old story too. They came for the communists and I wasn't one. They came for so-and-so, I wasn't one. And then they came for me, but there was no one left to stand up. That's the same te- te- technique they're using today. They go for little bits here and there that are disassociated with each other and no one stands up for them. Eventually they come round to you. Believe you me, they do. Because government will take over everything. That's what the New World Order is all, all about. All about. Now, I've gone on about BPA and the plastics and the toxins and the, the artificial estrogens for quite a few years and how they've altered the human male especially. I've gone through the history of it uh, from the different scientists involved who've done the research on it, who say time after time in every study they do that even from women's cosmetics even, um, it's absorbed through their skin into their bloodstream and eventually finds its way to, if it's an unborn boy, uh, it will affect him between the ages of 8 and 12 weeks, vital time for a male to start becoming a male. And they never really develop properly as a man. Uh, physically, they're different and all the rest of it. So this is well understood. And they have different uh, types of these artificial estrogens. BPA is one of the main culprits. But there are other ones, believe you me. And this was put in our foods. And they made it a fad, of course, to put it in drinking water. They made that a fad for that as well. So you don't drink your daily dose of estrogen. And remember, too, go into the writings of Charles Galton Darwin in the 1950s book, uh, I think it was 56 it was published, he um, he said that we shall use hormones on the general public as well, which make them more passive, etc. Well, they have done it big time. These guys don't just make suggestions. They, they, they're speaking on behalf of world bodies and big money power, the money power that governments bowed down to. So here's Canada after the, after the melamine bunch, of course, the other form, another form of it, byproducts of the plastics industry is additive baby food and so on, and they passed it in Europe as okay last week. Um, here's Canada declared BPA officially is declared a toxic, 
and it says here, BPA is found in fruit cans, the line, the plastic, the cans with it inside with plastic, and the beer cans maybe too, and some plastic containers. BPA is found in um, various other things as well. It says, bisphenol A or BPA is a chemical used to make some hard plastic containers, bottles, and toys has officially been declared a toxic substance in Canada. The federal government added BPA to Canada's toxic substances list on Wednesday. Since we're continuing our leadership on this issue, and Canadians can rest assured that we are working hard to monitor and manage bisphenol A, the Environmental Minister Jim Prentice said from his written statement by the guys who really know, they're the bureaucrats. BPA, also found in resins that coat the interior of food cans to prevent corrosion, has been shown to mimic the hormone estrogen and does not occur naturally in the environment. In August, Statistics Canada reported that measurable levels of BPA were found in the urine of, 20, of 91% of Canadians aged 6 to 79. Health Canada considers that sufficient evidence rating to human health has been presented to justify the conclusion that bisphenol A is harmful to human life and should be added to Schedule 1 uh, category of the Canadian Environmental Protection Act, the federal government reported in Canada Gazette. The government said the listing allows it to develop regulations to manage the risks posed by the chemical. In 2008, Canada proposed declaring uh, BPA toxic because of reproductive and developmental toxicity and environmental effects. The federal government proposed that BPA be banned in baby bottles and limited in infant formula cans. This stuff was known to do what it does back in the 1890s, and I've gone into the history of that before. So they've known darn well what they've been doing all along. And it says, but BPA was not added to toxic substances lists at that time, even though they knew darn well, as I say, in 1890. Rick uh, Smith, Executive Director of the Toronto Advocacy Group Environmental Defence, applauded Wednesday's announcement. This is a great victory for every mum and dad who sent a letter to their MP, demanding that the federal government do a better job protecting the health of Canadians and please stop spraying us. I added the last bit, that should be in there too. The toxic listing is the foundation for any legal action, said Smith, who predicted BPA will be removed from food and beverage containers in a few years. In a few years. Hmm? Why not just immediately? Hmm? They can do that if they want to. They can do that if they want to, but will they? Hmm? Will they really do that? I wonder. Mind you, the world doesn't really see the effects of it. I don't think they really notice that they, they adapt as men become more effeminate and uh, very passive, you know, and their body shape changes as well. Narrow shoulders, bigger hips, and they start putting weights on, you know, that's what they do. And some countries it's more obvious. Here's an article from Britain. It's to try to effeminize men even more. It says, cheerleading, why do boys want to wear pom-poms? No kidding. I'm not kidding you. This is a, a PR article, of course, to say how wonderful it is, you see to let out her feminine side and all that bisphenol A stuff. Anyway, it says, break dancing, street dance, and hip-hop, it's easy to imagine why some boys turn to the types of dance typically associated with edgy music and urban vibe. What about urban vibe is? Less obvious is why cheerleading, which conjures up the image of skirt-wearing pom-pom parading girls doing the can-can at the sidelines of a football pitch, would appeal but with uh, Dazzle Diamonds taking home trophies and new figures suggesting 37% of schools now offer cheerleading in, in their physical education lessons, is there a new craze for this unique blend of dance, tumbling, and gymnastics? Maybe it's the fashion as it gets them, you know. The, you know. 
This is Dazzle Diamond's dance instructor Ian Rodley, 27, says TV programs such as Glee, Britain's Got Talent, and So You Think You Can Dance have certainly upped his cool credentials. So it's, I guess it's cool to wear pom-poms and put your butts up and show off your drawers. It says, anyway, with all this exposure, and that's the word for it, there's a massive influence in young people. It's up 100%. The wholesome American image has become fun and cool. It's like what happened to street dance with films, he says. This guy's definitely PR, eh? Mr. Rodley says a cheerleading club, which is partially funded by Leeds Primary Care Trust, anti-obesity program comes under a bigger community project called Dance Action Zone Leeds and was set up to help boys in some of the most deprived parts of the city. Its aim is to use dance as a tool to improve young people's physical and mental health. And then it goes through uh, all the cheerleading, what it does, you know, jumps, kicks, turns, tricks, stunts, dance lifts, palms, chants, voice projection, again, that's when they yell at their heroes on the pitch, I guess, and visual effects. It's very high energy, like an art form. So the children learn on routines that put on benefits or galas every eight, ten weeks to raise money within the community, and we ask people to pay three pounds, it is, for a show. I guess we'll know what kind go there, too, to watch. But anyway, that's what they're promoting now in Britain. Cheerleading for boys, you see. It's the age of the new world order. Everything's new, the new man, everything. And um, uh, maybe they've got higher doses of bisphenol A over there. I, I know they've really been poisoned over there big time. But uh, the rest of it, of course, it's all PR by mums who, who think it's just just swell and wonderful. Just wonderful to let out your feminine side. And we pom-poms. There you go. What a world, eh? What a world. But it is changing, mind you, because it's planned to change and, well, Charles Galton Darwin was right. They would use hormones and different techniques, and, and they've been awfully successful uh, with that. Terribly successful. Now, <laughs> tying in with this, it's, it's, a strange, it's a strange night, actually, because almost all the, the media you're getting is recycled news uh, and mainstream. And what you are getting is mainly health problems and things like that, or else trivia. But um, I, I've looked at many of the, the reasons they've given for using aborted fetal tissue for stem cell re- research. And it doesn't make any sense at all because the ones that actually use stem cells, they actually admit that the adult cell is the best you can use. So why are they going after all these fetal tissues? You know? I guess you justify everything that you do in as many ways as you can. And this article here is from the Times. And this will, be, this will be a winner, there's no doubt about it. This came out in 2009, initially. Stem cells to grow bigger breasts. A stem, a stem cell therapy offering natural breast enlargement has been made available to British women for the first time. The treatment could boost cup size while reducing stomach fat. It involves extracting stem cells from spare fat on the stomach or thighs and growing them in a woman's breasts. An increase of one cup size is likely with the potential for larger gains as the technique improves. So you can rationalize whatever you do, and vanity will definitely work. It's worked for everything else up till now. Anything at all. So trials are already starting in Britain to use stem cells to repair the breasts of women who've had cancerous lumps removed. A separate project is understood to be the first in Britain to use a new technique on healthy women seeking breast enlargement. Anything for a profit, eh? You might say there's big profit in this sort of margin. Professor Cathy Mockbell, a consultant breast surgeon at the London Breast Institute, I was going to say Beast Institute, but it's breast, at the Princess Grace Hotel, or Hotel Hospital, 
who's in charge of the project, will treat 10 patients from May. He predicts private patients will pay for the procedure within six months at a cost of about £6,500. So there you go. Vanity, oh vanity, eh? Vanity, oh vanity. It just makes you wonder, doesn't it? And then we come into, and we all know this, I'm sure, how anybody who's used a computer will be well aware that your main provider will end up putting ads out there when you bring up their main page. And they're aimed at you. If you're looking for a camera and in a search for a camera, for instance, you're going to end up with all these camera flash ads coming up at the side. And then when you change it to something else, something else will, will be there for the next week or two as you try and get you to buy. Because everything you do, of course, is monitored and sold off to the companies uh, that sell all this stuff. But this article here is about Apple, and it's got the iAd secrets, iAd secrets revealed. Uh, Apple's new iAd mobile advertising platform targets adverts based on the user behavior, say the experts. I love experts, eh? We don't need to get their names anymore, just experts. And we jump. But it says here, um, it's analyzing its purchasing habits of 150 million iTunes users in order to help serve up targeted adverts through its iAd platform and say those with the knowledge of the new mobile advertising scheme. It says Apple knows what you've downloaded and how much time you've spent interacting with applications, said Rachel, Rachel Pasca, director of mobile iCrossing, a marketing company. It even knows what you've downloaded uh, what you don't like and what you've deleted. It knows all the stuff you've done. It says information about shopping habits is never passed directly to advertisers, but being able to paint an overall picture of people's online behavior, likes and preferences could enable advertisers to take possible consumers more more effectively, say the exports. Kind of like that minority report. You saw the ads coming up for you as you walk past them. It's been in quite a few movies. So that's what they're doing. With uh, with that, and there's another article too on the same topic. It says now Apple can target iPhone users with specific ads depending on their location. So that again ties in with repassing a billboard. They'll know it's you as passing because of your phone, and uh, it'll communicate directly to you with an ad just for you because it knows what you like. It says amongst all the hype surrounding Apple's announcement last week of its latest update to the iPhone, one astonishing feature appealed to fall by the wayside. Appeared to, I should say. Using the latest cutting-edge technology only seen in the movie Minority Report, the phone giant has moved a step closer to producing personalized ads for its clients. The iAd platform will allow the company to find out where users are and supply relevant adverts to their location. It says, um, although the technology sounds like something out of science fiction, the company says it hopes for more than one for more than a billion ad impressions by the end of the year. A billion ad impressions, they call it. However, companies knowing where users are at all times does raise privacy concerns. Not one, because folk don't care anymore. They like the, they like the technology, obviously. They're all I see these borgs everywhere I go. Something stuck to their ear, yapping to themselves. Currently, people can opt, out, opt, opt in so that an application to use their location but the new technology, which operates multiple applications, will be able to constantly keep developers updated. This means that if a user logs into Facebook on their iPhone and stays signed in, as well as being alerted if a friend comes within half a mile of location, Facebook will be able to track the user's every move. And it says um, the new platform will help advertisers understand 
users better, but it does present privacy issues. No, it doesn't. Really, really, it really doesn't. I think folk really are so far gone now they don't care. The young ones definitely don't care. In fact, they might even be pleased and quite chuffed, in fact. It's a good old Scottish word, that chuffed. Uh, if an ad is made for them specifically as they're walking past a billboard, they say, oh, that's for me, you know. That's how it will really work. And they really, really don't care about privacy. They put everything, everything up on Facebook. Nothing is left out of their personal lives, their dairy diary. Nothing. Now, Ireland just went under again. I mentioned before, they, they, um, they were devalued from a, an A-plus, I think, rating financially to a double A-minus or something. And now they've got billions of dollars to really pay off, billions and billions, all because of the bank bailouts, of course. And uh, they're still getting told uh, how it's accumulating, and they don't know the full amount of it yet. So they're speculating it's around £50 billion pounds extra to pay off because of all the bank failures. I'll put that link up there for you as well. And in Great Britain, I don't know why they call it great. You know, I've always wondered that Great Britain. Because even at the height of his greatness, the people were living, most of them, in pretty miserable poverty. But anyway, it says here, uh, it says, mind you, a small elite were living at an incredible status of wealth. It says here in this article here, Britain, uh, Great Britain is the worst place to live in Europe. No kidding. September the 22nd, it says, uh, research by U-Switch Company has revealed that high living costs below average government spending on health and education, lack of holidays and late retirement have contributed to a bleak picture for the British. No kidding. They always use you and then destroy you. The U.S. is next, of course, back with more after this. Cutting through the matrix and touching on Britain's fall. Uh, I don't know how low it can fall. I don't know how it's still still there because you think they're sunk by now with all the massive immigration on it. But uh, now there's no sign of it slowing down there. It says here, uh, to make matters worse, the UK no longer enjoys the highest net household income in the continent. Last year it was £10,000 above the European average, whereas now it's just... Isn't it amazing how they make everything sound like some competition? Eh? They keep comparing you with this country and that country, which you cannot do with the cost of living in different countries. That's what they make it. It's like, a, it's like the UN saying, oh, this country's number one this year for this and that. Utter, utter rot, you see. They were all competing in a great race. You know. Anyway, living below Ireland, the Netherlands and Denmark, Britain's in search of quality of life might want to move to France as it held on to the top spot in the index for the second year in succession. It brings me in mind... It brings to mind the, the book by uh, Jacques um, uh, Attali, where he said that they'd be moving across the world, this new super elite, uh, the sort of bureaucratic type, uh, going from city to city across the world, working, and um, they'd be called the new nomads. They would, no country as such would be their home. They would simply go from employment to employment. So this is really what they're really pushing behind all this kind of stuff, and this kind of article here, in fact. Yes, Spain came second, while Denmark, Poland and Germany helped to make up the top five spots, with all these countries offering more days of holiday and a lower retirement age than the UK and Ireland. 
recently a study by Aviva and accountants Deliot found that the UK had the biggest pension gap in Europe, with Britons needing to increase the amount they save each year to have a good retirement income, which is baloney because you can't save anything there anymore. Everything's gone up, including fuel and so on. And there's more and more elderly dying every year because they can't heat their places, especially with the new taxes on energy that they're bringing in so gleefully, so gleefully, I should add. I'll also put a link up, too, on the website, cuttingthroughthematics.com. All these links will go up, but one, two, with this oh, scientist, I cannot stand this guy, he's, uh, he's kind of taken over from Suzuki. Is uh, a pro-New World Order scientist pushing the wonders of this utopia that's coming in. But in this little clip of a video, you'll actually hear him say or liken those who are against this. He calls it the planetary society. Those who are against it are terrorists, he says. Exactly the term that Kissinger used to describe terrorism when he was asked the definition from America's standpoint. And he said that anyone who is against this New World Order, this globalization, he called it, uh, and globalized economy is a terrorist. So this guy reiterates it in a, a, a cleverer form by calling it a, a planetary society we're going, we're going into. Unfortunately, it's got that silly term, the Illuminati, along with it at the top of the title, but the clip is genuine. And this guy has is a real front man for this whole UN happy cheerleading pom-pom thing, um, dancing away into this transhumanism, happy society with technology helping us all off the way. So I'll put that up there as well. And and basically, that's the kind of stuff that they're flooding the news with. Out of everything comes more and more government regulation, more and more government agencies dealing with what you eat, uh, what you can't eat mainly, because they don't want you to be happy, healthy, and fit. They want you to be sick and, and weak, actually. Something that Malthus um, first brought forward for the British colonies. He advocated certain diets that would be restricting protein and so on. And they knew exactly by long experience in the British plantations how they would affect the slave workers. And even when they stopped being slaves, they found out with Malthusian diets, they had not enough energy to run off and walk off to even the next farmer for employment. They were just too weak at the end of the day. So it works very well. Keeps you passive and happy. Well, that's the music coming in. So from Hamish, myself, from Ontario, Canada, it's good night to me, your God, or your God's goal with you.